Oh, we've been recorded. Sorry, yeah, that's me. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Should I go? Should we? Should we? Yeah. Should Please. I stay? Should I go? All right. All right. Rock and roll. Hi, everyone. I am Stephen Drew from the Architecture Social. I used to be a part one and a part two. And what I do is I worked in industry for a while and then I moved over to recruitment. Now, recruitment, you think, why the hell would you do that? And that's a really good question, but I'm a bit of an oddball. And most of you will go on to do amazing careers in architecture. And I went into recruitment. And so for the last maybe um, six or seven years, what I've done is I've worked with companies such as Zaha Hadid, I've worked with Heatherworks, I've worked with Grimshaw, you name it, I've worked with them, really great companies. And as well as that, maybe some of the ones that are not so famous but are awesome to work with. So I've worked with a lot of hiring managers, I've worked with a lot of directors who are going to make making decisions, and I've kind of seen it from both ends of the scale. I've been in your position, because um, I was a part one and a part two, and when I was a part one, it was during the global pandemic, and I had to find a job and it was just kind of like the super stressful thing. And as well as that, I've seen what employers look for in terms of when they're looking for CVs. So what would be really interesting to know here is that how many of you guys are part ones, part twos, and what kind of years are you in? Can you give me a rough idea of everyone here? Are we mostly part ones or part twos? Oh, I'm part one, for example, I'm second year. Okay, awesome. All right, cool. So especially if you're on the part one, it's kind of daunting, isn't it? It's like, I haven't got any industry experience. I don't know what to do. And so whether, so if you're in your third year now, I'll talk about like how to, how to go approach looking for a job. But if you're in second year, you can kind of like pick up some tricks now, which are going to help you in terms of your, your application. So, so before we jump into it, I've got no script here. We're going to speak on the level to each other. It's just from personal experience. And you can, um, if at any point, you can check out the Architecture Social, which is this online community, this forum. It's now 4,000 members. And so my whole goal is to get employers and, and people like yourself, designers, students, and architects closer together. So I'll, I'll break down that fourth wall. But in the meantime, while we're here, the whole point of this is that I want you guys to remember and to think that the number one person that's going to be in charge of your career is you guys. So let me get out my 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 bell. So see there, look at the camera. Wherever that bell's going, that's you. You're in charge of your career. You're going to be the person that gets yourself your next job. You might, And that's whether through knowing someone or going out there. Chances are, as a part one, you probably, like me, I had no connections. Unfortunately, my parents were not Mr. and Mrs. Grimshaw. And I was like, oh, man, you know, I've got to find my own way in. I don't know anyone in architecture. And and you just got to put your CV and portfolio out there. But the good news is you can do it. So let's go from ground zero. If you're in your second year or third year, you're probably thinking around this time, this time, what, what is it, March, right? You know, you're getting your submissions ready. You're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm just trying to get all my finals in and all this stuff. I, 
I haven't even thought about looking at a CV or portfolio. Don't worry, that's completely normal. My number one tip though, is early bird catches the worm. And right about the time that everyone's making their plinths, they're kind of getting the stuff ready for studio. I don't know whether you're doing a virtual show now, but around about the time everyone's doing a show, they're all panicking about doing the show. And so the first tip before we even get into it is if you want to get a job, a maximum chances, while you're setting up the studio and you're ending your show, you should be thinking about sending your CV and portfolio away because that's what I did. And I got a job much quicker than my part one friends at the time i was one of the lucky ones who got a job earlier and the other thing that really helped me to get a job when i when i was a part one is that i got scared right and then when i say i got scared is because my uh, my friend my flatmate in university at the time he was just like it's 2009 it's the global recession so similar to what we are in now right with the pandemic i was like oh my gosh there's no jobs and i got totally scared and I, I didn't have really as much need to get scared but what was interesting is that that fear of like the odds are against me it set me it set my mind frame up a bit differently so instead of sending like 10 cvs to grimshaw and fasters and a beautiful intricate cv i was like i'm gonna send my cv to a thousand architecture practices which which sounds completely bonkers. And most architecture um, people who own architecture practices will talk about doing a custom CV and, and that's nice. But in, in times which are tricky like this, you've got to use probability on your side. So if you send your CV to a thousand places, you're going to get interviews and you're probably going to get a job offer. And so loosely, you've got to think of it like probability in life. Okay, if you send your your CV to a thousand uh, app, app uh, companies, you send a thousand applications. I did that, and I think from that I had seven interviews, and from that I had two job offers. So that's kind of a worst case scenario. But you see, it was like basically uh, one hundred to one interview ratio, roughly, and from that I had to do five to 10 interviews to get a job offer. So you could be one of the lucky ones. Like you can be one of the, you know, you'll know that one guy, there's gonna, oh girl, there's gonna be that person that like sends their one application off to Heatherwix and it's a beautiful match made in heaven. And maybe that's you. But if you're like me, where you, I don't know, it just, it maybe wasn't a click. You've got to use probability. So the good news is there's a job out there for everyone. I'm convinced. But the first thing that I want you to think about is when you're going to go and get your CV and portfolio ready, the number one thing to take away from this whole um, this whole presentation or whatever you can call it that we're doing is you are going to send your CV to a lot of places because you will get a job from it. So that's number one. That's number one. Then you can have a little look at I've actually done the, the last two weeks on the architecture social. I've done a stream last week, which was a big presentation about CVs. So we can have a look at that seminar and portfolios as well. But general rules when you're sending your CV and portfolio, okay? We're not, it's gone to the days right now until the pandemic has gone where you're not gonna be sending your CV in the post anymore, okay? You're not gonna be 
sending a beautiful, or you're not going to be hand delivering it probably to an office because it's still a bit of a tricky situation. So you've really got to gear your CV and portfolio to read really well online. So you've got to make sure that your CV and portfolio stands out in an email application. So how do you do that? Okay, you've got to get your CV the right size, not too big, not too small. It's going to be clear. It's going to be illegible. All the stuff you already know. And so what you want to do is you need to grab someone's attention online. Because if you think about it right now, we're in this kind of, I don't know what you call it, like a Tinder culture, you know, where it's like, you swipe to the left, swipe to the right. Everyone's attention span is short because they're busy or distracted. And you have to think about that. Someone who's looking at your application is probably going to be busy or distracted because they're running an architecture practice. They've got lots of problems going on. They've got their personal life. They've got, they've got to work out. Uh, they've got to deal with lots and lots of staff. Okay, so you need to jump out and grab someone's attention in a really short period of time. So you can go through and you can have a little look at the presentations I've done, and I can bring that up on screen in a bit if you want to check it out. But in essence, think about it. We need to grab someone's attention. So what's the best way to do that? You've got to think about constructing a CV and a portfolio in an email. Okay, and grab someone's attention. And so the best way to do that is always to be very literal, okay, and be very descriptional. You don't want it ambiguous. You don't want to say, hi, my name's Stephen Drew. I'm super interested in sustainability and I happen to be a part two. No, it's going to be really confusing. You've got to structure your CV and portfolio once it's ready in an email, which is really clear and concise. I am Stephen Drew, part two application, or in your case, it'll be part one application, uh, looking imme available immediately in central London. Super clear, and you write a paragraph, okay? And you write a paragraph in, in the email which says all about you in a little bit more detail, but very descriptional, but not being um, ephemeral. And what I mean by that is we're not um, going too loose. Again, it's not about your uh, right now talking about your interest in sustainability, it's about being very, very literal. So you're saying in an email, again, I am Stephen Drew. I'm really, I'm looking for a part one architectural assistant position. And I, I, I am, I currently am based in London. You would say that, you say, I've seen your work on your website. I'm really interested. I'd love to apply for your practice, right? Then your CV and portfolios attached, simple. So your CV, what goes into a CV, especially if you're a part one graduate, okay? You're probably not going to have much industry experience yet, and I didn't either. So that's fine, but you need to think about what an employer is looking for, okay? So number one thing, does anyone here, and this is have a bit of fun, don't be shy. So hide, come out from all your boxes, see if you can. Does anyone here, what do you think the number one thing that gets um, a graduate a job if they haven't got industry experiences. Does anyone want to have a guess? I'll tell you in a bit, but have a guess. What do you think is the big thing on the CV that an employer looks for? Anyone? No one here. Right, okay, okay. Time's up. So it's actually software. So software is gonna get you a job. And so right now it will be, your design is always gonna be important. 
okay? But you think about it, when you join an architecture practice, you're being plonked into a system, yeah? You're gonna be plonked into a system which is gonna be, um, the, the backbone is gonna be CAD or the backbone is gonna be Revit, okay? And then maybe they use 3D modeling and all this stuff. But they're gonna hire you um, they're going to hire, usually they're going to hire someone that's got the software skills, which are in line with the architecture practice. So a really safe bet, especially if you want to work at an architecture practice such as Grimshaw or Heatherwick or something like that, uh, chances are it's really, really useful to learn Revit. Now, I remember when I was a student as well, Hi, Marion. I can see you in bed there. Do you want to turn on? It's, you can turn off your camera if you want, or I don't mind. But um, <laughs> turn off the camera. That's funny. Hey, Rishi, there you go. I, was, I feel like I'm talking to people in the room. There he is. Keep your, cam keep your camera on. Any questions you ask me as well, because that's what it's all about. Oof, it's strange when there's no one there. You just feel like I'm speaking into the void, you know what I mean? But anyways, so where were we? So software is going to be the number one thing that they're going to look for, okay? And then that's going to be backed up with your designee for some personality. But I think software really helps. So a lot of employers are looking for, if they use Revit, they're going to be looking for Revit. Now, what I was saying before I got distracted, sorry, my attention span isn't the strongest in the world. That's one of my weaknesses. But what I was what I was saying is that if you haven't done Revit so much yet, just try and do a little bit of, of it on the side. And, you know, it's, it's Revit can be a really constricting uh, piece of software, especially when you're doing design in architecture school. So... Don't worry about it. Totally get it. But if you any of that you can do, you can learn on the side or you can put a bit of your project into it. That's the kind of thing that's probably going to get you a job because that's a bit more than someone else. And I guarantee it. If we were like a if we were gambling here, I would put a hundred pound on the person that knows Revit to get a job in an architectural practice that uses Revit. So it's really, really um it's really really important and so if i was you guys and someone said that to me when i was kind of doing my own uni work i'd be like oh my gosh another thing i have to learn but if you can do it it will really make the big difference and you probably get hired to the company that you really really want to work for so try and another tip is try and learn software which is really important and the number one is right now is revit um rhino is used by a lot of big architectural practices as well uh you've got stuff like if you're into parametrics such as grino uh, grino where i'm making up words here grasshopper and rhino or you have like rhino inside at the moment those are kind of cool pieces of um parametric uh design and modeling, which is actually used by architecture practices. So stuff like that is really going to stand out. Stuff like hand drawing is was always useful, but it's like a nice to have. It shows that you're a good designer, but really Revit nine times out of 10 right now, I reckon will get you a job. So the first tip I said was you're going to cast the net open wide and you're going to mentally think that you need to apply to a thousand companies. You're going to go, oh my gosh, what the hell is this guy saying? And then you're going to digest it and it's going to seem easy because actually you can send like 10, 20, 30 in an hour if you're really bashing it out. 
And so if you're wondering where do you find these architectural practices, when you're looking for a job, think about it with job boards, right? Most people wait for job boards, okay? That's what people do when they're looking for jobs. It's really normal. But if you think about it, right? Why wait for a job board? Okay, so there's loads of reasons why you shouldn't rely on a job board. Number one, and most people look at a job board, so it's gonna be the most competed roles for it, okay? So if you think about it, how can you make an unfair advantage for yourself? Because unfair advantage is what's gonna get you a job, right? Now, I didn't have an unfair advantage because when I was a part one, I, like I said earlier, I had no parents which were related or anything else to architecture, I had no, uh, I had no connections in this world. So the unfair advantage I used was probability. Okay, I just completely uh, lacked my counterparts in the studio, my bestie mates, which I have, you know, a few Carlsberg tinnies with, I would just completely hammer them in terms of the applications because I'd sent so much more. And the other unfair advantage you can have over someone else is the Revit. So using software, which an architectural practice has, that will put you at an unfair advantage over someone else which has as good as design as you, yeah? Because you're gonna fit into their architecture practice um, because you just you just match the skill set. So those are the top two things. The other thing which I think uh, I touched upon briefly was how to construct the CV and portfolio. And so a CV should be typically between um, it should be like two, three megs in size. And when you're sending your portfolio to employers, uh, remember that in the interview, should you have a digital interview or a portfolio on the table interview, you're gonna have more time, okay? So you're gonna go over and you're gonna talk about your project from most recent work, and that's a key thing. Don't put your uh, first year stuff at the start. Put your most recent stuff, because that's going to be more advanced at the start of the portfolio. But in person, you know, you're going to spend like 20 minutes going through it, or 10 minutes talking about it, 10 minutes probably talking with the employer about it. But in a C in an email application that you're sending off, no one's going to really look for all 30 pages. So you need to do what's called a sample portfolio, which is like a best hits version. Again, use the, use the analogy I used earlier of Tinder, okay? Where if you've been dating or not, I mean, I've been on there, and you literally swipe to the left, swipe to the right, and assume everyone's going to be that brutal because I think that sets you up to a good mentality. So you need to grab people's attention. So how do you grab people's attention? Again, it all goes back to what we're saying. We're going to send out loads of applications because that's going to um, that's going to give you an unfair advantage. You're going to you're going to then target architectural practices which are close to you. You'll do a bit of research on them, and if you've seen software that they use, mention that you use the software in the in the email. If you see that they've got on their website, for instance, another good way to look at it is look at a job on their website. And if they're applying for an art, if they're advertising for an architect, don't let that stop you sending your portfolio, okay? Because like I was saying with job boards earlier, most of these architecture practices, when they're busy, right, maybe they don't need to look at the job board because you've sent your application in the inbox. So can you imagine like if you role play 
we're in an office. So Rishi, I'm going to keep picking on you because you're the only person that's on the camera. But saying now it's, it's me and you were practice and you're saying, I need a part one. And I'm going like, oh gosh, we can advertise it. But really, can you have a quick look in the inbox to see if there's anyone good in there? And imagine you did look through it and then you saw a part one there and you were like, hey, this person's really good. Let's just call this guy. Because then if they're good, I don't even have to write a job ad. We'll just hire this guy. So have that mentality of like, okay, I need to send my applications to places that are not even uh, 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 not even posted a job right now. So the way you do that is literally go on Google, go to the nearest architecture practices to you and build it out. And so I did a video on my YouTube channel. Oh, let me see if I can put the link. But I've got, if you go on YouTube, on the architecture social, I've got a video where I go through all this. But as well as that, guys, and anyone here, I'm going to actually show you something which is going to be more useful. So I'm going to share my screen right now. So if you're not a member of it, join this community that I set up. And so what this is, this is the Architecture Social. So it's architecturesocial.com. You can join. It's all for free. And so what I've done here is I've built out topics. And in here right now, and hey-ho, this could be useful to anyone, is that there's a job posting section. And so Orbiter Architecture are actually looking for a paid three-month internship for part one. Great. Apply. So that's one thing on the architecture social. So we have all these topics. We have topics here for career advice and questions. And as well as that, during certain times of the year, I will do CV and portfolio reviews, probably soon coming up as well. But the one bit that's probably going to be really useful for you guys is that all the stuff I'm talking about, I'm actually building up here in the courses and resources section, because you can do everything on here. You can have a chin wag, you can message me at 1 a.m. at night if you want, preferably not, but you could do if you wanted to and I'll get in. But I, the things we're doing is we've got all these courses, which are free. Hey, that's quite cool, isn't it? And so last year I did a course where all this information, so all the stuff that I'm talking about is here in more detail down to the milligram for free. So you can find all that stuff and you can join up now. So if you're thinking, hey, that guy had a thick Welsh accent, I didn't understand half of what he was saying, or I don't know, I was just like, you know, he was mentioning something about job boards, are they still useful? I've done a whole video on my thoughts on job boards, but more specific to you guys now, that's 2020, so that, uh, that's me living in the past. Now we're going hyperspeed, so 2021. Okay, cool. So I did this video here, which is probably gonna be good for you guys, which is the same thing. How, oh my gosh, my face is everywhere. So annoying, isn't it? How to get a job during um, the pandemic. Check that one out where I literally go through it. Um, there we go, oh my gosh, look, here's my face. But you can see, I literally go through the whole, whole job process in more detail. So that's there. And then last week and the week before, I did an hour webinar about CVs. So in more detail, I reviewed CVs. What do you think about the graphic design? What do you think about the layout? So all the stuff that we're talking about here is completely for free in this community. So, I mean, I'll cover a few more points, but that's the number one takeaway is that I want you guys to... Um, 
use the space, have fun, ask questions. Think of it like your studio in between. So it's more like a little bit like in between LinkedIn, but without so, I don't know, stuffy and boring and a little bit more helpful. So you can check out all the videos I've done there. And as well as that, we have a few groups and stuff where you can hang out, play Dungeons and Dragons and all this crazy stuff. So we're up, we've got, I think Westminster and MSSA, MSSA is going to launch a space on there. So if you want your own space, you let me know after this. So first thing, sign up to that as well. I can see a few people have um, uh, signed on. I will approve you all after this. And um, that's going to be useful because you're going to go in and out of all the information. But let me bring this up here. So these are the topics that I talked about last year and we can go through it. What you're going to find is you've got to think about the job process. So right now, I'm probably not going to talk too much about interviews. I'll bring it back to my to my ugly mug for a second. Here we go. So I'm probably not going to talk too much about interviews right now because we're all at ground zero. You're in universities, you're finishing your coursework or you're getting ready or you're in your second year and third year. Okay. So the one thing you've got to think about right now when you're in uni is how can you be ready to jump the moment you hand in your, your work? How can you get ready to go? So I want you to think about how can you optimize the um the search how can you be ready to jump so when you finish working and when you finish handed doing all university work how can you get a job okay and thanks rishi 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 you're quiet you're gonna come on say your name like come on unmute yourself for one second it's uh rishi yeah you said it correct this time all right all right brilliant thank you Right. Okay. So everyone here can get a job. Everyone here can get a job. So in the Arctic Social, you've got all that free stuff to look on. But again, so I want you to think about now, how can you use your time so that when you finish all your uni work, you can get a job. So start thinking about the software. Start playing around with your CV and portfolio layouts and start visualizing a map of companies that you'd like to apply to. So top tip, think of your 20 dream architecture practices. And with them, you're gonna do the, the beautiful, you know, you're gonna hone it down, you're gonna get your CV portfolio, you'll do a nice, beautiful tailored one for them. And for everyone else, I'm gonna challenge you to do a thousand architecture practices. And so in the video, one of the things I linked there, there is a list. Okay, and I'll find it for you now as well. And it's called the Reba Practices List, I believe. The List 20, okay? So let me, I'll put the link in here, guys. And so, oh, Reba List 20, let's find it. Here we go. So this is the most awful document ever, <laughs> okay? There's no fun around it, right? This, there we go. I'll send you the link now, guys. Don't worry. That's the Reba Charter Practices list. That's a list of like 4,000 practices in the, in the UK. So if you ever are in a moment where you're looking at a job board and you're thinking, please, God, put a job on. Well, don't be that person waiting for the job board, go and apply to architectural practices directly. Because I guarantee you, I think it was like a statistic I read in recruitment that um, out of 10 jobs, three of them are posted 
online. So the the remaining seven positions will go to people that have already applied to the company and they're sitting in the inbox, or it will go to someone they know, right? You know, and that on over time that network builds up. But you're all at ground zero right now, which is the it's a bit scary, but it's the most fun bit because out of the thousand companies that I sent my um, job application to, bizarrely, the job I got in the end in 2009 was at EPR Architects, which is at the time, and you know, I've told them now, and I get along with them really well. I'm friends with the managing director still. I didn't know who EPR was. I, it was in my list, right? It was in my list of a thousand. So they rang me up and I'm like, yeah, of course I'll apply to you. And EPR, it turns out they're like a top 20 company. And I just got along with them. And I had people, I went to interviews and they turned me down, but it was like that thing of, it was just, you know, it was the more CVs you sent, the, the more you're okay with sending them out. And then the more interviews I did, the more you learn. And in the end, I got a job, which was a paid job and I was really happy with it. So everyone can here can get a job. Let's just to recap, the number one thing, the number one takeaway from it is to send your application to lots of places because it's a pandemic, okay? It's not because you're spamming things around. You're just going to create an unfair advantage for yourself. And you think of it less of you spamming because you're not spamming. You're doing someone a favor if they can avoid um, spending money on a job board and you applying directly, you're doing them a favor. Think of it more like your approach is going to be that you're going to cover everywhere in the UK, but you're pleasant. Hi, this is me. I'm Stephen Drew. I am a part one architectural assistant who is available immediately. I, I've used Revit. I've, I've done two weeks work experience in industry, but now I'm looking for a full-time job. I've seen your work on your website. It's really interesting. I would love to hear, hear your thoughts on my CV and portfolio attached. Any questions, uh, please let me know. Look forward to hearing from you. Okay, something like that. I just made that up on the top of my head. Really simple. Just saying who, what, where, when, why. Who are you? What are you? You're a part one architectural assistant. Where are you looking? I'm looking in the London area, but I'm open to relocating. When? I'm available immediately. And why? I love your architecture practice. Hire me. You know, who, what, where, when, why? That's great. You don't want to go off on a tangent God, I love sustainability and one day I'm going to, no, that's cool, but not for now. You've got to go to the crux and say who you are, what you are and how, because think about it from the employer's point of view. What is a job? A job is they need someone, okay, to fill a requirement. And how would that be? It would be like, oh, I need a good part one who's friendly and, you know, they're smart and hopefully they can stay with the company for a long time, but it would be great if they know Revit. And it's that kind of thing where if you have that, remember, you don't have to be the Revit guru. But if you have that, that's a big advantage, isn't it? Because people uh, people will be like, oh, yeah, he's got the Revit. And the other thing is to remember is that you're all people and, and people buy people. And that's a crazy saying that is used in sales. But what do I mean by that? And think about it with you, right? I say now I go on for a minute, or, or even here, we're talking. The one person that I've gravitated to in the audience is Rishi, who's got his video on because he's smiling. And because there's a rapport there, what you'll find in interviews is that 
when people get along with someone, that's why they hire someone. So they'll go, I met Richie, he's a really nice guy, super friendly, showed me his design, he seems really smart, and he has the Revit, let's hire him. And so that's how it works. So people buy with emotion, backed by facts. But a big fact is if you know the software they use, okay? And how do you get in the door? So all the stuff I'm talking to you about is to grab people's attention so you can get the interview, okay? It's in the interview, when you are there, there you grab the interview, it's there that you, you, you pull it over the line and hopefully you, you know, you're excited for the course. So say now it's a, a virtual interview, you kind of make sure that the camera is a bit more level. You wouldn't have it like low down, so you've got your double chin and you wouldn't have like crappy light and you need to kind of like make it look profesh. You know, you wouldn't wear something like, you know, I'd wear my little suit and I'd be super keen and excited. And what I would try to do is I would try to position the window on the monitor closer to the camera. So it looks like I'm talking to someone in the room or even talking at the camera. The fact that I'm doing to this you now, I'm smiling. Probably you feel like there's a better emotional connection than when I start talking like this down here. And so it's all this kind of like, so it's all these little trips that you can do. And I talk about that more in the, the Arctic Social. So don't worry, you can check that out there. You can do that. But step one, you need to do all that. And to get to that stage, don't worry about the interview. Because for now, your goal is to get all the cool, interesting stuff, such as playing with stuff like Revit, showcasing your, um, hopefully, stuff you're interested in, like Rhino and Grasshopper, and start visualizing, think, start thinking in your head, like, how is my CV and portfolio going to start looking like, and how is it shaping up? And if you think there's a gap in, in what you have, now you've got a bit of time to, like, fill in the gap and hopefully get a bit of juicy juicy goodness on there. So the immediate one I think of, and you know, I'm sorry, I keep mentioning it, but Revit is like the one, man. I'll tell you, if you know Revit, you will get snapped up. Woof, so, so easily. So definitely worth checking out Revit. Um, okay, I'm gonna do a roundup on my thoughts and then what we can do is throw it to questions in the audience. You can pick my brains for the next half an hour. Um, rule number one, an unconventional guide. Send your CV to lots of places, not one or two. You can, you can, uh, you can maybe do your custom CV to the 10 to 20 you like, and then you're going to send your CV to a thousand. You're going to challenge yourself to a thousand. And I, I put this offer out to everyone, but 99% of people don't take me up on it. If you message me, and tell me how many CVs you got. Just keep telling me, Give, make yourself accountable. You can message me on the social, say I've sent my CV to 50 places. I'll probably reply and go, cool, send it to more. You know, I will reply. And normally I would charge like a hundred pound an hour to, to go for someone's career mentoring with them. But if you write me a message, I will reply because I guarantee you most people won't. But if you are that person who will message me and say that you've sent 100 today, I bet you that you're the same person that does send 100 and the next day sends 200. And I guarantee you that attitude will get you the job. So number one is attitude. 
And to reinforce that attitude, you're going to go from your comfort zone of sending like five CVs to 10, to 20, to 30, to 40, to 50. And you're going to target companies which have no job applications. You're just going to apply to everyone that's close to you, and you're going to build out the search. You can look at the Reba list that I've said, um, uh, and great, do that. Join the Architecture Social, and you can look at the, you can look at all the resources there as well, and you can build it out from there. So now start thinking about the software, start thinking about who you want to apply to, and take it from there. Really, one step at a time. Worry about the interview when you've got an interview. Okay, right now it's all about grabbing people's attention in a world where um, everyone's too busy and too distracted. That's Tinder, isn't it? Too distracted, whatever. Got to grab people's attention. Whoa, what's this profile? This guy, CV portfolio, this girl, amazing. She's got Revit. I want to read that CV. She looks really friendly. Get the interview, and then you snag the job. So that's my rough, loose thoughts in a way. I'm here. Any questions you have, feel free to shoot them at me. Um, anything in particular you want to ask, go for it. Does anyone have a question? You can ask me what my favorite color is, or you can ask me uh, maybe what does Grimshaw prefer in an application? I've got a rough idea, but um, or you can ask me what would a typical part one do, or what did I do when I was a part one? Any questions, feel free to fire them my way. Making my life easy. Hey! You're too, you're too shy to put questions. Just say them. Just put them into the chat and I can say them for you if you want. Amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And don't worry about, like, if you feel shy, don't worry about it. I'm like, no judgment here. We're all friends. And remember, think about it like when you're job searching, you're all being busy at uni. No one told me how to look for jobs. Right, and all this comes from experience. So, don't feel stupid um, about asking certain questions because that's what I'm here for, and that's what I enjoy. And the the level thing to remember is that recruitment consultants, and that's what I do in my job. They're not going to be the best people to help you in the start of your career because until you got experience, the best person to help you, it's like what I said at the start, is yourself. So that's what this whole thing is about, is about I'm tr what I'm trying to do is gear, get the cogs going, thinking about the search differently. Because when I started the search, thinking about the search when I was um, a part one, the natural thing you think of is I'm going to apply to um, David Chipperfield. I'm going to apply to Grimshaw because I, like, I love Grimshaw. And so I did that. And then after that, you don't hear anything. Because so you, I'm trying to like re-engine the cogs in a different way. So, what render engines do you recommend with Revit? Ooh, oh, I've got we've got a few questions here, isn't it? I'll do them all. So, what render engines do you recommend with Revit? Again, what I would say is, um, I mean, Lumion gets used a lot. A lot of different architectural practices. It's more about the fact that you've used rendering engines with Revit is the important bit. And Revit itself is the important bit. So if you've used a rendering engine, that's great, put it on. But what you will find is the key importance is BIM in practices. So it used to be that they used Autodesk 
a microstation. I used to use microstation and then I was trained into Revit. And now it's all about Revit, in my opinion. And uh, you, what you'll find is that typically the larger architectural practices will use that. And they'll probably have the, their own in-house rendering, but it all varies. So for a good example, like Fosters and Partners will have their own VR and AR department, and they'll be heavily invested in um, the Unreal Engine, you know, stuff like that. Whereas the fact that Lumion could be a really good one for a small to medium architecture practice. So don't worry so much about which rendering engine, but it's more the fact that you, you've experienced one is going to be the important thing. Um, the other question we got here is how far should I extend the search? Ooh, good question. How long's a piece of string, right? So in my opinion, I would be mentally prepared to just keep it going because the goal is um, until you get a job. And I think that you have to be at a certain level of flexibility because of the pandemic. So last year, it was really tough for part ones. The good news is for you guys, anyone going into industry this year is that it's a lot better. There's definitely work there. And it could be a combination of you work remotely and then um, go back to an office. But what, uh, probably another really good point to raise is that I think you've got to be like flexible to go into the office. So if you, I think you will struggle to get a job working full-time remote. You might be now, but you have to be ready to go back there. So let's say now you're studying, well, you're all in Coventry, right? Or in, in theory, or maybe you're working remotely right now or what have you, but you need to be committed to going back to the architecture practice when it's safe, right? Because I reckon there will be a big shakeup in architecture where before you'd have to work nine to, um, nine to five every day within an architectural office, but I reckon there will be a certain fluidity working remotely. But, you know, I think that we will see over the next months how that goes. So just be prepared to go to work physically in the office. So to answer the question on how far should you extend the search, it should be how far you're, ex you're prepared to move. If you're prepared to go to France, apply to France. If you wanna to go to America, go to America, but just be prepared to move there. What you don't wanna do is get like interview in Scotland and then, then be like, oh, I was only gonna do that remotely because that's not gonna work out. So just be prepared to go there. Okay, ooh, we've got another question here, haven't we, Mame? Um, Mariam, if you've got the experience, how do you negotiate pay? Oof, good question. Negotiating pay is so difficult, um, and it really varies. So the number one thing to do and is that, I mean, I could never work as an intern because I mentioned briefly I had no connections before. My parents were really supportive, but the idea of me working unpaid was like a, not an option because I was working part-time at Waitress at the time. So, you know, hold your worth. I have seen some exceptional circumstances where someone has done unpaid work for a week or two, but if you ever do unpaid work, you should be prepared to leave as soon as you get a job. And you should not stick around ever for an unpaid job. You should really go for a paid job. And I think that is, you know, really... I think that it's almost unfair for an architecture practice to offer an, an unpaid job. And actually right now with the first architects front and all this stuff, you can't really get away with that anymore. The only exception I think is like, there's a charity called Article 25, 
they are a good charity. You can do that for a little bit. But in short, you should always ask for a salary. So that's the first thing in the question is always try to get it for a salary. Now, the truth is, though, apart one salary, it really is varied. And so it's catch-22 because it's harder to negotiate a part one salary or even a part two because what they usually are is that they usually are a flat um, – they're like the same across the board. So as part one or part two salary, typically within an architecture practice, that is the way it is. And maybe every few years they change it. But so, for instance, I remember – and okay, and this – and this is just the truth at the time. I remember that Levitt Bernstein, because they were doing social housing in 2009 and it was the global pandemic, they offered a part one salary of £14,000. And where I went to EPR Architects, part one in London, it was 20000 So I was like, I took the job at 20000 So at the time I was like, yeah, do you know, and it's like 6000 more. I felt really, really happy with it. And that's the point, though, is that different architecture practices offer different part one salaries. Now, when you're weighing it up with salaries, what you'll typically find, Mariam, is that a smaller architecture practice pays less than a bigger architecture practice. Typically, okay, because they're usually owned by less people, but you get really good different experience. And so for 1,000, 2,000 pounds, it can vary. So typically a larger architecture practice, like the top 100 architecture practices will typically offer a higher salary than a smaller architecture practice. And you will get different experience. But what you'll find normally is that Further in your career, when you go further on, um, you will find that your salary should catch up to each other. So what I mean by that is the more when you become a qualified architect, you have more say than in your salary and you have more say in your experience. So unless you were a very experienced part two, you're typically going to get paid whatever the part two salary is in the architecture practice. Um, so in my experience, there's a long answer to your question, but typically I find that a, a graduate part one or part two is less about negotiation and it's more about comparisons. So again, it goes back to my advice would be to apply to more places. So ideally you have a choice because that would be the cool thing because then it's less about should that architectural practice pay me 21 or 22,000. It's more about Oh, okay. EPR for a part one of pay will offer me 20. Um, let's say Hawkins Brown is 21. Oof, amazing. Or the small architecture practice down the road from where I am, which is super cool design, is 19,000. And you might go, I want the small architecture practice because I love their design or the people. Or you might go, I want to work in Hawkins Brown and it's a good salary. And you wouldn't be wrong for either. So that's, again, where it goes back to my theory of sending more applications is better, isn't it? Because then you hopefully get more choice. But in the future, when you have got more experience as an architect, you can usually, you can negotiate from, for higher salaries. But unless anyone specifically in that position now, I think the better mentality is, especially if you're a graduate, is just to apply to more places because then you're probably going to get a range of salaries. Does that help or is there anything more you want to ask on that? And feel free to buy your questions.
Oh, you're on mute. Sorry. Hi. Hey, hey. Um, reason why I asked that is um, I've been working in a small practice. Yeah. But they pay like relatively really well. Um, but um, the thing is, I've been in that practice for almost uh, five years or six years now. Right. Well, part well. one. Oh, okay, you, yeah, you probably could ask for more. I think that's fair. I mean, where? But then is... I don't want to seem like I'm being, or like. Yeah, cheeky. you don't. You don't want to be cheeky. I know it's a really, it's a tricky one. So, I mean, in theory, you're definitely worth more. I mean, if you've done five years, even part time, probably sounds like to me you've got a lot of experience, which is useful. So, on the top of my head, that sounds like uh, probably a thousand or two thousand pound more. But the funny thing is, if you're an architect, that would be a lot more. So what I'm trying to say is um, probably it's still worth asking for that or mentoring that. And you can always open it up to them without sounding aggressive. So you can be like, look, I love this. I'm a more experienced part too. Um, just because I'm at different places, a different point in my life, compared to other part where it's much bigger graduate. Um, would, I'm happy to take on more responsibility than a typical graduate part one. And in return for that, can we look at a slightly higher salary in line with the increased responsibility? And they might go, yeah, no problem. Or they might say, oh, that's difficult. And then you've kind of flipped it around, Mariam. But that's one of the techniques that I like to use is that the, when you ever think about salaries in the future, always think of it with that you're offering more, um, you're offering your experience, but you're saying that you're, you'll take more responsibility. Yeah. Then you feel less cheeky about asking for a salary because you're saying, I will do more stuff. And in return for that, uh, in return for more accountability, can we look at a salary which reflects that responsibility? And so no one likes talking about salaries, especially as British, we're awful at it, aren't we? We feel like yeah. it's an awful question. But that's probably the kind of way to do it. Um, but what you'll find is that Part ones, for better or worse, the annoying thing is when you graduate and you're technically a part two, is that it almost annoyingly like the, the it resets at the number. Do you know what I mean? So one thing that might be more thinking for you is like, is it worth like all that? If it's really difficult to ask, as soon as you're a part two or you graduate, your salary is going to jump up to probably like 28 or 30K or something, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you. Hey, no problem. My pleasure. Well done, though. Five years experience. Woof, you, I bet you're a good hire. Oh, no. I mean, yeah, it's been difficult, though, juggling uni and working in a practice. I think a lot of the time you would um, sort of stop and then just do your master's. But, yeah, I've enjoyed it. It's really good. The practice that I work at, I get a lot of responsibility, so it's great. Yeah, uh, I think um, grass is always green then. You know what I mean? So, like, I would have loved to have worked part-time, but you probably think, like, oh, man, I should have done it full-time. Don't worry. It's really good experience. Don't doubt that at all. You'll do well. Thank you. No worries. Hey, hey Stephen. Um, I have a question. Can you hear me? Yeah, hello. Oh. Hi. Oh, there's, there's like two of you here. Is that like your old doppelganger in there? 
I oh, love the artwork. Is two pictures? Two, what do you mean, two of me? Yeah, two pictures. I'm loving them. I'm loving Oh, because I've got you on my desktop and on my phone. The microphone on my desktop wasn't working, so... Wow. All right. <laughs> Lo- well, lovely to hear from you. What's your question? Right, so I don't know if this is kind of off topic, but correct me if I'm wrong. From my understanding, when you apply for a job, they may check your digital footprint. So I have a YouTube channel and I was wondering if this would affect my professionalism, like when I apply for architectural practices. Mm. My content isn't really architecture based. It's more fashion and entertainment content. I think that would not go against you. It would probably go for you. And, and does anyone here watch Thomas Roundtree channel on YouTube? He's like a big YouTuber. Um, he got a job at EPR Architects. And, they, you know, it was fine. I think of anything, it's entrepreneurial. So maybe even mention it at, like, your hobbies at the end. Do you know what I mean? Because, I mean, I do YouTube. And, oh, you will laugh at this, Ezra. I had a copyright strike the other day. Can you believe that from a clip that I played on my show? And it was really like full on and it really upset me throughout the day, especially when something is like uh, good intentions. But what I'm saying is I know from doing a YouTube channel, which you're doing is that it's hard bloody work. And so if someone had it, I would think that it's um, quite a good thing. I think what with with footprints is that you're always going to be searched online in some shape or form unfortunately you can't get away from it i wouldn't worry about your youtube the good tip for everyone here is don't have an email like woollywelshbloke88 at gmail.com because that looks awful and the other thing is if you've got your facebook try to clamp down your facebook because i'm sure you're all like me because i went to manchester uni but no one needs to see me at 1am in Tiger Tiger. Do you know what I'm saying? So get rid of them because that's the bit that's really going to be like, I don't even know if someone wouldn't hire you for it, but it's like one of them eye roll moments, isn't it? Where you're like, oh my God, why did I leave that online? But I, I highly doubt that your uh, channel will go against you. But truthfully, the work should speak for itself. So I probably wouldn't put your YouTube link on your profile i wouldn't put it on your cv i wouldn't put it any of there and just say that one of your hobbies is that you have a fashion channel or something and if someone wants to go into it then great and you can just be like look i learned a lot from it i learned a lot of skills and i love it my, obviously my passion is architecture but you know sometimes it gets me more excited doing architecture and then having a, something a bit different it's a little bit like when I personally, I play guitar, you know, it's like, it's not architecture, keeps my creative juices going. So that's the way I would say it, Ezra, but um, maybe just don't plaster it on the CV. And the reason I say that is that I had one guy that I know through recruitment and um, he's a good architect and he's a good looking guy, right? And he is this huge Instagram model. And then on his CV, he was at the top, he was like Instagram model and then, I got so distracted because you click on that, then you see them all in Paris and, you know, the posing. And then before you know it, I forgot even what I was looking at. And so um, don't worry about it being online. It's just that it shouldn't distract from your CV and portfolio. So just maybe mention it in the hobby section that you, you're a YouTuber who enjoys 
you know, fashion and, and makeup, and that's cool. But is is that helpful? I mean, what do you think about that? Is that reassuring, or can you see? Thank you I'm so much. From? Yeah, that's so much more reassuring because I was just overthinking it and just being paranoid. That shall I quit my YouTube channel? Because yeah, I was just scared to be honest. No, don't 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 quit the YouTube. Um, just you know, if like you just got to think about is the content professional, or you know, as in, you know, and I'm what I'm on about is like on my architecture show. That's why I've got a horn. And, <laughs> And a bell, and, a, and I do all this crazy stuff is because so boring all this stuff on LinkedIn, isn't it? I just find it a bit of fun. But the underlying thing is that I keep, I like to keep it somewhat professional, but a little bit cheeky. And I think that probably I haven't clicked on your YouTube, but if I go there, I was it just you having fun, like reviewing makeup and tips and tricks, it's that kind of thing, is it? Yeah, it's literally that. Yeah, no worries. Well, that's good. It shows that I would think then like, oh, that's good because hopefully then this person, I'm sure that they could be confident in front of a client or, you know, that, you know, it shows to me that maybe you're good at presenting work. So yeah. so I think it's fine. And well done on you for having a YouTube channel. It's Thank you so much. Help. Really no appreciate that. No worries. Ooh, okay. I've got one or two questions here. Okay. Okay, Ezra, you've got a long question. Oh, that was your long question. That was cool. Uh, so I'm happy you did that. So from where to get Revit training, what do you think? What do you prefer? Person in 10 years of construction, it's an architectural technician to do an online by himself or or training classes. Well, training is so difficult and so different with many people. So, I mean, really it's how you respond as a person so if you need to go online for revit courses i mean a really good trick if you want to do like a month if you really can blast out a month if you've never been on linkedin before you can sign up to the linkedin um training for free it's called linkedin learning and then you can do revit you can find courses there and you can just milk your one month training you know and you can learn some stuff I think I've got a link for it somewhere, so I'll find that for you. But I mean, other ways to do it is you can pay for courses, but really it's about you just learning it. Or So what I'm on about when you guys doing Revit, you don't need to be pros, but the fact that if you can show that you're trying to model some of your product, a project in Revit, or you've done some training in Revit, that's really going to make you stand out. And, you know, LinkedIn learning, that's kind of, Everyone knows what LinkedIn is, so I don't see no problem with it. Or you could even buy a book. I mean, heaven forbid we use a book, right? But you can even buy a book and do it. Or, you know, Skillshare. Skillshare is a weird one because I know like loads of, um, Ezra, you know what I'm on about, loads of YouTubers get paid for Skillshare. And it's kind of cool, but there's nothing for Reddit on there that I felt was very strong. So my advice is it, you can pay for a course, but check out LinkedIn first and, and go for that course for a month, to be honest. Um, that's where I would start with if I was looking at learning Revit. Um, yeah, that's my thoughts on that. Does anyone else have any other questions? No? If you know, if it's no, no is cool as well. Oh, I do. <laughs> hey, Shanice, how are you? We speak earlier on LinkedIn, or am I, I going crazy? I'm good, thank you. <laughs> My connection is a bit shaky, so I'm not sure um, okay. if I'm cutting out or not. But um, 
yeah I've got a question <laughs> um so when you said that um we should apply to um as many different um companies as possible um I keep hearing everywhere that um for your uh cover letter you should try and customize it mm. um to the specific company and um, so that the recruiter doesn't think that you're um you you've just uh just gone seen their name and then just randomly applied and um, so I was just wondering um since you're recommending to apply to as many as possible and um, how do you customize it so that the recruiter is still interested yeah in question. your cover letter <laughs> yeah really good question so I mean I what will help in this is that I'll put another link to it as well so I've done recently I've done a YouTube where I talk about the CV and portfolio in more detail. And I talk about covering letters because one of the big debates that I have is the purpose of a covering letter. And so for me, let me just put a link again to the community here so that you can find all this stuff after. There's one course area in particular that I think you guys will, will like a lot. Let me bring it up now while we're talking. But to answer your question, I uh, actually don't, use covering letters i i don't think they're that as useful as other stuff so um what i would say is when you're sending out lots of cvs do you really need to do a covering letter so let's have a look at it here so what i wanted to point out to you is the courses that would be useful for this in more detail are these two here and i'll put the link to the site at the end of it and um, but the, i talk about this in the Two webinars here, sorry, so I found them. So let's discuss and review architecture CVs together. Now you get the full hour whammy on CVs, so that's gonna be useful to everyone. And I talk about covering letters in more detail. Are they needed? Should they be in a CV? All this stuff. So that's gonna answer your question in a long way and check them out. And I'm gonna put the link to those in the course, the course into the, um, into the main area now and then i'm going to answer the question so let me just do this sorry i'm terrible at doing two things at once there you go so to answer your question hopefully you're still there because i know your connection was bad but covering letters okay now when you're writing cvs to lots of places that's going to be incredibly tedious isn't it updating covering letters and what you don't want to do is, well, I can't swear here, can I? But you don't want to F one up and put the wrong name or the wrong thing into the covering letter when you're sending out all these um, applications. So I would argue that you don't really need a covering letter anymore. Um, I have done a covering letter myself, but the best thing to do is to have a, in my opinion, the email is almost a bit like a covering letter anyways, okay? So in the email, I think no more than one paragraph or two a paragraph and two sentences, but you can really get into it, all the information there. And remember that the most important document is the CV and the, the, the supporting actor, if this was an, an Oscar nomination, is the portfolio, right? So the best actor and the best actress is the CV and the portfolio is the supporting actor or actress. The covering letter, he is not for nomination. And what I mean by that is, think about it. Who makes a decision ever based on the covering letter? No one. It's more like a ribbon on the top, okay? 
And it can be the beautiful bit at the end, but the strength and weakness of it is about how awesome your CV and portfolio is. And so to answer your question, you're saying, you know, should you do them? How do you do them? Do you need to do a custom one for everyone? Think about maybe doing um, covering letters for the dream practices that you really, really want to apply for. And then um, do you need a cover net for everyone else? And I mean, I, I've seen many people get a job without a covering letter because if the email is sufficient enough, that's fine. And I don't think people read a long waffly covering letter anyways. So I would, when you're focusing on designing and stuff, make sure the CV and portfolio really work. You can have a little look at the ones that I've done, uh, the, the talks that I've done, because I think that they're really, I think they were really good. Me and Will, my friend, we, fr we freshed the topics out. And if you cover all of them, then you will decide at the end whether you need a covering letter. And if you do, great. And, you know, even then you can maybe do a covering letter. I, I mean, I did one in the past where my covering letter was, um, dear EPR architects or dear office manager at EPR architects. And I did that. But when I was sending out the mass email to everyone, when I said the thousand, I didn't send a covering letter. Um, I think I just had like an intro page, which I probably wouldn't do now because after seeing so many CVs, I get really, and again, I go into this in the video, but when you're, when you're reviewing CVs and portfolios, the last thing you want to see is like covering sheets and like intro sheets and then content sheets. Because I'm just like, when you're going through CVs and a lot of them, you want to go straight in for the good, the goods. So the substance is always the CV. And then having a punchy sample portfolio, which is like five to 10, maybe 15 sheets at the top. So five to 15 sheets with a CV and portfolio, which is one, two, three pages, maybe max. That's going to be killer. And then the covering letter, you weigh it up. But focus on them other two documents first. And to answer your question, in the big, big, big search, you don't need it. But make sure then that you've got a really um, functional email. You know, it says who you are, what you're about, and it has all the kind of the important bits of the covering letter, but without half the fluff. You know what I mean? That's my thoughts, though. But remember, ask a few people. Mine's based upon me and my experience, <laughs> but you know, you can, you feel it out when you start designing it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Thank you for answering. <laughs> I missed like the first part of it. My connection. I don't know what's happening. Don't um, but don't what worry. I picked up from what I could hear. <laughs> so you were saying that, um, the covering, the covering letter isn't really necessary. Um, it's Only not as important as the CV and portfolio. And don't okay. worry, because I think this has been recorded. You can look back as well. But okay. um, yeah, it's not as okay. important as the other two. The other two are the most important Thank document. You. Um, oh. Okay. Thank you. Um, and then my other question, um, yeah. I was thinking, because I just finished um, an internship for my placement year. And right. so now I've got a bit more time to do um, independent projects. Um, and so I'm thinking about updating my portfolio and thinking about um, which projects would be good to include in it. 
Yeah. Um, and so I was wondering from like a, a recruiter's perspective, um, so not about the portfolio layout itself, but um, I know that uh, recruiters don't really have a lot of time to, they don't have a lot of time to look at the portfolio um, and the projects themselves. But um, when they are skimming through a portfolio, um, so for the specific projects, is there like anything um, that any specific companies you know would be interested in? Or yeah, good, that, um... yeah, good question. So um, I did pick up all that. Hopefully your connection's gone. It's so funny speaking to everyone in Zoom, isn't it? Ah, Shanice is back. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a good question. So basically, always try and adapt it to the company a little bit, but don't worry too much as well. So the fact that you've done your internship in a practice, I would, if you've ever done even a little bit of industry experience, Always put that to the front of your portfolio because you're telling someone, even if the architecture styles of the companies are different, you're saying to them that you know you've been in an architecture environment. You understand what it's like to work in an office. So put industry experience at the front and call it industry experience. And then with your academic work, always put your most recent work at the front and you probably want to, when you're doing in your portfolio, you want to kind of, you want to illustrate different skills. So you want a variety of stuff. And then when you're doing your CV and portfolio, and especially in the portfolio, any examples that you've done using Revit or using software, just put a little annotation saying modeled in Rhino, built in Revit, because that's going to be really useful for the employer as well. And that's it, really. And again, um, I, I, because I would love to go into this in more and more detail with everyone. But let me just bring this back up to you. And while we were chatting there, I've let everyone into the social because I know you've got to apply to join. But the one that will talk through that in more detail, Shanice, is this webinar which I did last week. I do on the live on the YouTube channel, where we, where I discuss architecture portfolios. We, we go through one or two live and me and my friends and we literally thrash it out from an employer's perspective, what works and what doesn't. So I'm sure you really find more value in that video because it's an hour long. <laughs> there you go. Wow, we got your homework. But yeah. um, generally, that's what I would say. So um, I go through all of that in the video, but loosely professional work at the front and illustrate different stuff that you've done and say how you modeled it. So try to include an axonometric, try to include a plan, try to include some 3D visualization and show how you did that. Okay. Yeah, that's really useful. And it's useful that um, you just showed me the video, so I'll definitely look at that. <laughs> yeah, it's just um, lucky. Yeah, it's, it's last week's and it's actually bang on. So I'm like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, it's perfect. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you'll enjoy it. <laughs> no problem. My pleasure. Thank you. My pleasure. <laughs> Great. Okay. Okay. So I've got one question from Abdul again saying, um, what about being Revit certified professional? Does that help you get a job or not? Um, can do. Yeah, definitely. But it's probably not needed as a student. It's more like when you're 
further ahead in your career. If you know, if you get any certifications, that's helpful, but you're not expected to do everything as a graduate. But how is that, everyone? Does anyone else have any specific questions? We can leave it there. I'm happy to leave it there as well. Um, you can find me on the Architecture Social after all of this as well. So that's where I am. I kind of loom around online. Oh, the other cool thing is, I probably should have mentioned it. Sorry, my throat's getting a bit sore. Um, you can post your architecture work on the Architecture Social, and I will share it on our Instagram, on our LinkedIn, to broadcast your work out there. And so it's really easy to do. Do you want me to show you how to do that really quickly? So, um, okay. Let me bring the screen up one more time. One more time. All right, let's go. Let's go, Joe. So use for links. Um, right, okay. So everyone see this? Can you see my page loading? Can you still see this, guys? Yeah? Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So you've got loads and loads of links here. I've got one saying submit your uh, act. Uh, act. Oh, I can't even speak anymore. Sorry, it's that time of the day. Academic work, you fill this out. You say, I want to put your own academic work, all this stuff. You put your name, you send the images, that comes through to me. And then what I will do is I will whack that out on our Instagram channel and all that stuff. So all that good, good stuff. So, um, you know, we've got more important than in Instagram is probably like my LinkedIn account. And so when um, normally when someone um, fills in that form, showcases their work. So I post all this stuff, but... Let me show you, hopefully I don't breach GDPR and show anyone's stuff here, but I'll give you an example. On like LinkedIn is so powerful later in your career, but I normally blast out projects as well. And so you can see here all this stuff. Oh my gosh, look at all this stuff I'm following. Let's go post. So I always try to post students work. And so like I posted this today, it's got 389 views. But I will always try to post students' work and jobs. You can follow me. If you're on LinkedIn, please feel free to add me. But like this project, which is student, a student's project, and they filled out the form, which is on the website, submit your work. And then I did this, and it got 4,000 views. That's cool, isn't it? So that could be you, and that could be your project. So if you ever want that, yeah, a few images of the project. You know, I link then to the person's website or whatever they want. You give me links, I'll do that. And you're on the social as well. If you want me to promote your work, I'm happy to do that. So that's all on the community. You can find all that out in the community as well. So I'll go back to it. Once you're in, you can have fun. You can go to the courses section. That would, um, how to submit the work is in the useful links area. You can have a chat. You can ask questions. You can say hello. Hey, Rishi, there you are. You're everywhere, mate. You are gonna, you are, you gonna be the one that messaged me saying you sent a thousand architecture applicants applications off. Maybe, oh. maybe you are the one. But if the the person that sends the most applications will get the job. And hey, make yourself a home. Any suggestions you have in the social, please let me know. Um, hey, architecture is a great profession. Uh, okay, you're not gonna make as much money as like a banker or something but a banker or an accountant is going to be bored looking at, a, uh, almost swore that, we're looking at a spreadsheet their whole life, whereas you can actually make difference, you can make 
schools and careers and you can you can build airports you can do all this crazy stuff but it's going to be it's going to be full on it's going to be difficult at places but the best way to help each other out is community and i know that's kind of a bit of a buzzword everyone's like oh community but networking getting along with people all the people that you're friends with now believe it or not they'll all be further in their career one day my friend, I threw a good example, right? So I used to be, I got my part, I got two one, part one, part two, yeah? Okay, just hard work, but I got it. And now I, I, yeah, okay, I'm head of architecture, which is a great role in recruitment, but I don't do architecture anymore. I, I mean, I love the social and that's kind of like my bit of doing architecture um, and giving back. But my mate who got like a third, right? And he used to butt heads with tutor all the time and all this crazy stuff, yeah? He's now a director of Soda Architecture. It's a big company, doing really good stuff. And he was the guy with the third. And I'm the guy with the 2-1, right? And my other friends who got a third, and I had a 2-1. Um, and my other friend who's got a third, he went to work in Richard Rogers. So don't let grades tell you how far you can go in your career. It's about attitude and energy, and that's really what goes. So I love what I'm doing now, but you get where I'm going. You know, you'd think on paper, higher grade and getting the first and all this stuff. That's great if you get it. But the reason Richard Rogers hired him is because he was an amazing designer. And basically in his part one, he got a third, and then he went on to get a first in Oxford Brooks. And his, like, you know, it's brilliant um film which got into to the zine and i'm sure that you guys can do that as well and so the next obstacle when you think of looking for a job is send a lot of applications which is not going to feel natural but if you do it i'm sure you'll get a job and then you can drop me a message one day saying i sent 800 applications and now i work at um hawkins brown and i'll be like well done you, because I didn't do any of it. You did all the hard work. But that's what I enjoy is kind of just hopefully that little bit of, um, I want to empower you guys to do the search. So uh, let me know how you get on. I've left a bunch, I've just, a bunch of you have applied to come into the architecture social, which is awesome. Um, make yourself at home, any questions you have, and we can take it from them. But other than that, is it that's a wrap is it thank you so much i didn't realize there was so much content on the architectural social either don't worry i don't worry my problem is this because i've I, I set it up during furlough and there's so much stuff there now but i need to get the word out so you're helping me out and i guess what would be really cool is if you know anyone that will also really like it, just invite them because my real goal is to get employers in the architecture social and we're getting there. Squires and partners are on there. Uh, EPR are on there. Um, I've got a few amazing companies on there like Acro Lowry and it will grow, but just keep using it, keep spreading the um, awareness. And then hopefully we can make it super easy in the future where you can just say that you're looking or you see a job on the forum and you get a job and that would be awesome for everyone so feel free to go through all the content and any suggestions please let me know thank you so much for being our guest speaker today um i'm sorry i think i'm frozen
<laughs> no, you there. I, I can't move. I, I can't see myself moving on my screen, so I don't know what's going on. Maybe that's about I, I can see you. You're fine. <laughs> you're moving. Yeah, right. you're moving. <laughs> because you're, you're freeze on my screen as well. So thank you very much for everything you was presenting to us today and all the suggestions and all all the materials you were showing us were straight on the point because uh, a lot of my colleagues, for example, and even myself are looking for a sandwich year, for example, to take placement for next year or something like that. And yeah, that was, I was even uh, speaking to someone today about <laughs> some of the issues discussed here. So yes, thank you so much. You answered a lot of questions actually. Yeah, my pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Um, anyone who wants to follow up and ask me a question, no problem. And I'm always more than happy to come back at a certain point or something as well. But um, make yourself at home in the community. And, uh, yeah, I need a register. Now, um, now I can say that I'm a part of it as well. Yeah, amazing. And hey, if we ever want to set up like... Um, so what I'm trying to do in this really early days is that I would like... Um, on the architecture social because it's a groups and spaces section and some things have really worked there and some things have failed and that's like architecture all over isn't it we're all designers we're all trying stuff out but I think one thing which should be really cool is to get all the architecture universities like cross collaborating and it, you know you can have your own things going on but i think that would be super cool to see everyone from different universities talk and stuff because